Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. And welcome into another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is episode number 61 and your host for the evening, Matthew Betts, joined as always by my good friend, Matt Okada. Oh man, Okada, it is officially fantasy football season and with that, I am so excited. We're getting into training camp tonight. We're talking about some training camp battles. We're talking about um, uncertain situations heading into training camp, and that just means draft season is right around the corner. So as you can tell, I am quite excited. How are you doing tonight, my man? Um, I am amused by the fact that we get excited, this excited, which I am, by the way, equally as excited, and see this as the arrival of real fantasy football, and it's still training camp and not even preseason, <laughs> yeah, which st- also isn't real football. <laughs> right. We still have actually quite a bit of time. <laughs> we do, but at the same time, not really. We've got like a month and a and a week or a month and a week and a half until literally the season kicks off. So it is closer than it should be, I guess. It has come quickly, and I am ready. Yeah. And the surprising thing about this, you know, it does seem like there's so much time, but people are drafting. I mean, there's best ball drafts going on. Some people do their actual real season long drafts end of July, early August. So um, it's crunch time for a lot of people. With that, let me propose one question to you, Mr. Okada. Mm. What is your preferred time to hold a redraft league draft? When is it? When is it too early? When is it too early is possibly the most important question. And I would say before mid-August, I think, is too early. If you're if you're in early August, that's really pushing it, I think. Because ideally, I think ideally you want to be second, third week of preseason, somewhere in that range. Right after third week of preseason would be great because that's kind of the you know full dress rehearsal for it for teams in the preseason is around that time and so you really get to see what the breakdowns are going to be uh, as far as starters and playing time and things like that but if you are antsy which you know i am uh, i'll i will accept back into early august a little before the preseason but well into slash past training camp that would be my take how about you yeah, I think I agree with that. My answer is simple here. As late as possible. I mean, I've been in leagues where we literally draft the day before the season starts on whatever that Wednesday mm. is. Um, and it's just so helpful because you don't have to worry about the the dreaded ACL injury in, in training camp or preseason or any other major injury or suspension. Like, you know what's going to happen. And so your draft strategy is... Um, is set. You don't have to worry about the question marks. For example, if you were drafting tomorrow, you would have to make a crucial decision on whether or not Melvin Gordon is your first round pick, which could be fantastic, or it could be Le'Veon Bell of 2018. So um, keep waiting a little longer. Just just hold off, people, if you can. Yeah, and I will say it is. it feels worse to lose a guy that you drafted in mid-August than it feels good to have that guy's backup suddenly be valuable if that makes any sense at all 
Like, it's nice to have a guy suddenly have value that you drafted as a backup, but it's way worse, like, more intense of a bad feeling when you took a guy in the first round who now is completely gone. So that's why later is better, IMO. Yes, and I can speak to that because last year, you're talking to a guy who drafted Le'Veon Bell at the 101 Mm. in not just one, but two leagues. Oh. And so that was fun. I did not get James Conner. <laughs> so, so the moral of the story is wait Sucks if you can. Suck. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no joke on that one. Uh, all right, man. We've got a, a great show planned for you all. Uh, we are talking training camp battles. We are talking news. We are talking injuries. And we're talking about a few under-the-radar players that Okada and I have our eye on here in 2019. So we've got a jam-packed show. Okada, let's get right into it. Before we do, I just want to give everyone a, a quick heads up. You know, we are on Facebook. We're on Instagram at, or IG, as the kids say nowadays. Mm. Uh, and of course, Fire. we're on Twitter. Follow us on all those platforms at RedShirtsFFPod. Uh, we look forward to interacting with all of you uh, across our social media accounts. With that being said, let's get into the news. I got great news, guys. Oh, oh, news. Hey, news. News. All right, Okada, this dropped, I think, the day after we released our last pod uh, with Kate from the Ball Blast pod, which was fantastic. And if you missed it, go back and listen to episode 60. She was great. Um, Super fun guest to have on. But this news dropped, and it was a bomb the day after it dropped. Tyreek Hill will no longer be suspended for the 2019 season. He is full go for the start of the season, for training camp. He's back with Patrick, Mah- Patrick Mahomes this year. Um, what an offseason. I mean, literally yeah. three or four months ago, we were saying he may never play a down in the NFL again. And now he's back and he'll be ready for week one. So I just adjusted my projections and my rankings. He went from nine because I was hedging with the uncertainty to five. He jumped from 170 fantasy points to 223 with my projections. Um, I'm excited about him. It elevates, obviously, Mahomes. What are your thoughts on Hill now that we know what's going on, and how does this affect Travis Kelsey? Well, for Hill, obviously, it's massive because he jumps from a huge question mark at the earliest at the back of the second round, probably further back, depending on when. And this is why, by the way, you don't draft early, everybody. Um to, I think, back end of the first round. Maybe early second. I have him even higher than you do. I, he went jumped all the way up to wide receiver four for me. Um, and you know, I was remembering bets last season, one of our first podcasts, when we argued with Kevin from the Fantasy Authority about Tyreek Kill and how his efficiency was obscene and there was no way he could sustain it going into 2018. And then not only did he sustain it, but he blew it out of the water and was the best receiver in fantasy in certain formats. And I was thinking, wow, did we get this wrong, Beth? Were we just really wrong about Tyree Kill? And here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes was... No one called what Patrick Mahomes did. No, and not, not at all. What Patrick? Yeah, and what Patrick Mahomes did directly correlated to what Tyree Kill did. So I don't think it's really on anyone who was calling for a, a drop from Tyree Kill. I think if Tyree Kill was in a lot of other offenses with a lot of other quarterbacks, he would not be quite as good as he is. But with this quarterback, there's almost not a better pairing in the league as far as just elevating each guy's ability. 
so I'm fully bought into Tyree Kill, the fantasy player, obviously. Right. No other things. But in fantasy, in PPR, certainly it's he's going to be a little bit, you know, relatively a little bit lower. Our rankings are half PPR and our projections are half PPR. So that kind of hedges a little bit. But he would probably be higher for me in non and a little bit lower in full. But yeah, he's a locked and loaded star. Travis Kelsey, uh, does not affect really much for me. Um, the targets that I fed back into Tyree Kill, I mostly took from Sammy Watkins and Meikle Hardman and uh, maybe a couple from Travis Kelsey, but I think I probably gave Travis Kelsey a, Kelsey a slight bump in efficiency as well because, you know, the safeties, when they have to deal with Tyree Kill can then no longer deal with everyone else in the field as well. By the way, sneakily, you didn't ask this question, but I'll give it to you the answer Ooh, anyways. Bonus answer. The biggest effect, in my opinion, is Damian Williams. Really? Be- yes. Because and I'm, in the I'm, positive I'm direction. I think that Tyreek Hill being back is really, really good for Damian Williams. Because not only do I think that it makes the whole offense better, which means getting down in the red zone more often having longer drives, etc. Yep. Which is all good for a running back. But like I said, with Kelsey, even more, when you have a Tyree kill and a Travis Kelsey for that matter, but especially a Tyree kill, stretching the safeties the way that he does, Damian Williams is going to face eight in the box as few times as or at as, as low a rate as any running back in the league. And whatever you believe about his talent, which, by the way, I think is overblown that he's terrible. I think he's been decent when he's been given opportunities throughout the league. Um, even with the Dolphins, by the way, he showed decently well when there was a bunch of injuries. And that's a terrible team. But on the Chiefs especially, I'm fully bought in, man. I am no longer hedging with Damian Williams. I am 100% locking him in as an RB1. I'll see how high I get him. Right now, he's 12th in my projections. But there's a couple guys ahead of him that are very risky and I think are more risky than Damian Williams. Names like Leonard Fournette and even Melvin Gordon, depending on how things pan out. So I think he could go get up as high as my top 10 running backs. Yeah, it's it's really not unrealistic to expect that. I mean, we were talking about this last time there was an update in regards to the Tyree Kill situation. And I said, I've got him at 12 right now. And if Tyree Kill comes back, he has to go up because... You talked about how it opens up the the running game. We certainly saw that towards the end of the year last year um, for not only uh, Damian Williams, but also Kareem Hunt when he was still a chief. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And we've said it before. I I don't necessarily agree with you that Damian Williams is is decent or has been good and decent. Um, He's been okay. But it doesn't matter because... You can plug someone into the system, and I think Damian Williams fits the system. Um, and when the offense is that good, you want to be tied to offenses that are going to score and are going to get inside the red zone, and certainly the Chiefs will do that. All right, man, let's kick it over to the next piece of news here. I know you're excited about this because you've been vocal Ooh. all offseason about mm. your boy, your Boyd, Tyler Boyd. Oh, yeah, you like that? There. Uh, and how you think he can really take a step forward this year, even compared to what he did last year. And I think the Bengals agree with you because they signed him to a four-year, $43 million extension. Uh, this was as of yesterday, which is which is big time. I think it tells us that the team is confident in him. The team is certainly expecting him to take a step forward to invest in him at that long-term uh, price tag. So 
Does it change at all what you're, you know, thinking about Tyler Boyd and Dynasty? Does it change at all uh, for redraft for you? Um, I wouldn't say it changes too much, it, but probably that's because I was already higher on Tyler Boyd than the average bear, or in this case, Bengal. Um, Nicely done. Yes, thank you. <laughs> this, essentially, this makes him a top 20 wide receiver in the NFL from a salary standpoint on a like a per year basis. It actually makes him 20th by my calculations. Um, I think he's actually, potentially, that might be a deal for the Bengals, but it it just shows that they are 100% bought into his talent, which I see on tape and in the stats. I love Tyler Boyd. You know that I predicted boldly he would be a wide receiver one by this time next year and the Bengals wide receiver one, which, by the way, they extended Boyd before they extended A.J. Green, who is also going to need an extension soon. So, yeah, I really like it. It really just it kind of just cements for me what I was already feeling, uh, but positive. It can't be negative in any way, shape or form. Does it do anything extra for you since maybe you weren't quite as high as me? Uh, not necessarily. I think I, I mostly agree with you. The one thing I wanted to hit on was the AJ Green piece of the puzzle here because, right. you know, you just said they didn't extend him before Boyd. And when you look at the depth chart, obviously AJ Green's listed first. So you would expect their stud receiver to get signed maybe before their uh, wide receiver too. But obviously that didn't happen. And maybe, you know, I'm kind of reading into it. Maybe that tells us what we need to know about the future of AJ Green. Sure, a deal could still get done, but I think it tells you your bold prediction of Tyler Boyd being the one there next year uh, isn't maybe as far-fetched as it would have been uh, a month ago. I'll say that. So, yeah, some definitely something to monitor for, for AJ Green for sure. Uh, Big-time news there for Tyler Boyd. He hit a very nice payday yesterday. All right, last two pieces of news here. We're moving over to the NFC East. Alan Hearns was officially released from the Cowboys. Um, I'll give you my take real quick, Okada, because it, it's pretty quick. Uh, this changes nothing for me, honestly. <laughs> um, I didn't have Alan Hearns doing much this season coming off of the injury. So when you look at their depth chart with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and, and Randall Cobb, it's pretty solidified there. I really don't think Alan Hearns is going to step into many of those targets anyway. I think out of those three guys, when you look at the position Alan Hearns uh, has played in the past, I think it probably gives you a little bit more of a, a minor bump maybe in targets to Michael Gallup uh, in his second year in the league. What are your thoughts on that situation? Yeah, I had him as by far the fourth wide receiver on that team behind those guys um, and actually just barely ahead of Tavon Austin, who's also still in that roster, if you can even technically count him as a wide receiver. Um, speaking of which, do you remember last year when Jerry Jones came out and said Tavon Austin was going to get 15 to 20 touches a game or something like that? <laughs> I remember last year when you called him a sleeper. Yeah, I, I did. Do, I did like him. But, I do remember uh, that. <laughs> that was possibly the dumbest coach, or in this case, owner speak of all time. But in any case, yeah, it. it I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna have to do something with those targets because I had him with with a decent amount, and so it'll probably give a slight bump for me to the lower end guys, the Gallops and the Cobbs, and maybe to the tight ends a little bit. Um, I was already kind of liking Gallup, so this might help a little bit to make him more of a kind of a target for me in drafts i think he gets you know even if he gets like a two to five percent target bump that's could be significant yeah no definitely i agree with that 100 percent. next team in the nfc east is probably the best team in the nfc east if we're being honest yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> it is the philadelphia eagles uh 
they have signed their eighth running back. This is not a joke. You, literally, that's not an exaggerated number. Darren Sproles has been signed to a one-year deal. Obviously, he's the veteran. He, he's been there for the last few seasons. Um, certainly, you have to think after this year, he's done. But what are we doing with this Philadelphia backfield? And what is the team doing? I mean, this is literally the, the roster right now. Not in any order, obviously. Josh Adams, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, Boston Scott, they just traded for Jordan Howard. They just drafted Miles Sanders, and they've got Donnell Pumphrey from a couple of years ago. Eight running backs. I mean, I don't see how more than four make the roster. I'll give you my take. They're obviously keeping Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. Now they're obviously keeping Darren Sproles, so that leaves one spot. I think it's Corey Clement. The other guys are all kind of just average talents, and Clement adds a lot of value. Uh, obviously, I follow the team closely. He adds a lot of value on special teams, so I think he makes the roster for that reason. Um, do you agree, and what does this do for you in terms of the Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard situations as far as fantasy? So I do agree with the cut list that you laid out there. I think Clement is the fourth guy that does make the team. Um, this, for me... I don't want to say it's going to lower Miles Sanders for me, but it does solidify a little bit more. Not completely. There's there's no cement here. This is like silly putty levels of solidification. Quicksand. Mm, I think it's a little more solid than quicksand, but okay, it might be as gotcha. dangerous as quicksand <laughs> for Miles Sanders. Here's the thing. It certainly affects Miles Sanders more than it does Jordan Howard. And I... I almost put Jordan Howard in my under-the-radar players for later in this episode. And then I was like, this is too disgusting. I don't want to talk about Jordan Howard. Go away. No. But I think there's well, a chance. Well, let's talk about chance. Jordan Howard. <laughs> nah. Okay. Well, here, here's my talking about Jordan Howard. Now it has to come up. I think he's going to get a larger carry count than almost anyone else expects. As a rushing player, he has been good every year of his career with the Bears. And this is probably a better offense with probably a better offensive line than the Bears ever had. Not that it was horrible, but the Eagles are just very, very good in both of those categories. So I think he can actually produce quite a lot as a running back on first and second downs and potentially in the red zone for this team. Meanwhile, Miles Sanders has a more well-rounded skill set than Jordan Howard, but that means that his pass catching is more subject to uh, leeching by... Darren Sproles. And that's where Darren Sproles is going to be used. He's obviously been an extremely reliable third down and pass uh, pass pro and just passing game running back. One of the best in the league, really, or at least one of the most reliable uh, for many, many, many years. I don't even know how many. More than 12. So many years. Um, yeah. So that's why he's here. And if he's here for that, and that means he gets used on third down, I think that means Miles Sanders is coming off on third down a little more often. So I don't know if it'll drop Miles for me. Um, it probably will take away a few targets, which I have not yet baked in yet. So I suppose it will a little bit. But it does maybe just give me a little bit more uh, butterflies in the stomach as far as Miles having a shot to be a true workhorse in this offense. Yeah. I think that's a that's a very good summary. Obviously, with the the depth chart as we're projecting it, it doesn't affect Howard. Obviously, he's not brought in to catch the ball. So, like you said, it's it's Sanders. It's a very little bit of Clement, and it's a lot of Sproles. Um, I love this signing in terms of Miles Sanders' dynasty value. I'll say that right now. I think that this is going to be something that people will see. 
they're going to see the situation unfold in the first few weeks of the season where, like you said, Darren Sproles is in there on third downs and Miles Sanders loses value because he's not catching the ball. But the other guys, as of now on the depth chart, are the definition of just guys. Darren Sproles is a veteran. This is his last year, most likely. So um, I think it's a slower year for Sanders and redraft, but uh, man, do I love this guy in Dynasty. So if there's an owner that's that's you know a little shook after this news, uh, I would go out and see what the price tag is now on Mr. Miles Sanders. Yeah, and just really quick, I pulled up Darren Sproles' numbers. He has not had less than 12 targets in a season since his rookie year in 2005. And the only, in the last two seasons, he's had 12 and 23, but that was in three and six games. So that's still 35 targets in nine games over those two seasons. That's almost half a season. That's like 70 targets if you look at the last two seasons combined. Yeah, that's over a big a full season size. pace. Yeah, and that was that's around the number he got per season for the 10 years before that. So right now I have Philadelphia RB4 as the fourth spot in my projections for this team, that's going to become Darren Sproles, and there's no way that that target count does not go up. So that probably actually is going to eat quite a bit into Sanders and the short area targets for that team. So that that could have a pretty decent effect. Yeah, 100%. All right, Okada, let's go ahead and kick it over to some injury news. All right, Betts. So here's the thing. This this is last on your list here, but I almost wrote a song and I was going to tune my guitar, which I have not played and not even know how long, oh, and gosh. play you the song <laughs> uh, during the podcast. But I didn't get home until way too late, so I couldn't pull it off. But man, the main I'm really upset were, about that. I would have stayed up know, late for you. I if know that was it's the case. really disappointing. The main lyrics were Cooper Cup is avoiding the pup, <laughs> and it was pretty much just going to be that over and over again. <laughs> But okay, so let's just let's lump it together this way. Sony Michelle and DeAndre Hopkins are starting training camp on the pup list. Uh, meanwhile, Cooper Cup and Will Fuller are both avoiding the pup list, which kind of a surprising little foursome there of avoid and not avoid. Give me your quick hits on each one. Uh, what stands out as potentially impactful, if any, or is this all just kind of maintenance stuff? And does it give you any more confidence in the guys who did avoid? Yeah, for sure. So let's start with def- defining what the pup is. Of course, um, mm. if you're not familiar, it is the... Isn't it a baby dog? Well, by definition, yes. It is also <laughs> uh, a great song lyric, according to you. Um, true, true. The, the pup. pup is the physically unable to perform list. And uh. it's very different when the players are on this list in training camp versus at the start of the season. Um, and if they are on this list at the start of the regular season, there's a penalty where they cannot be removed from the, the list activated to the active roster until, I want to say off the top of my head, that's week six. Maybe you can check me out quickly. Six weeks. Six yeah, weeks. Check you. Um, but in training camp, they can come off whenever. So it, it's way less concerning when you see this, obviously, at the end of July versus at the end of August. So I'll say that. But there are a couple of guys here that I'm, I'm kind of concerned about. And that's Sonny Michelle, namely, because his knee scope was several weeks ago. And typically, a scope that's done as a, a cleanup procedure or to trim a piece of the meniscus is three to four weeks. And we are well beyond that. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on with him maybe there was some additional damage that we're not aware of but when you look at his history 
This is now his second knee scope in less than a year. You have to recall, he did have the injury last year in training camp where he tore a piece of his meniscus and had to have surgery, uh, and he missed the first two games of the season. So for me, he's my biggest concern. And one little stat nugget I want to throw out here, uh, and you can feel free to speak to this if you want to, um, is the fact that when Sonny Michelle was injured and coming off of injury last season in the regular season, um, in those three games, he only averaged 11.6 rush attempts and 38.3 yards per game and never found the end zone. So um, I think this tells you Damian Harris needs to be rostered in every single fantasy football league because he's going to have value at some point this season. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, Let's see. I'm going to pull up really quick where Damian Harris is going in drafts. That is Damian Williams. Damian Harris, <laughs> 10 07, so 10th round. Um, running backs going around there are Peyton Barber, Jarek McKinnon, Ito Smith is a little bit lower, Carlos Hyde is a little bit higher, Adrian Peterson. So that's a pretty decently pricey handcuff, but I think that it's worth that. I think he's going to be worth that price. I would pay that price. If I take Sony Michelle earlier, I might take pay even a little bit higher price. I personally think that Damian Harris is a more valuable fan, fan cuff. <laughs> That's a new word. A more, We're keeping it. A more, it's, a, it's a handcuff you're a fan of, so it works. Uh, a more valuable handcuff than Daryl Henderson. And I'm imagining that's a very hot take. Oh, that is hot. That is spicy. Yeah. Here's the thing. There's a decent chance that Damian Harris has value even if Sony Michelle does not you know, miss the whole season and he takes over the starting job. A, because he could just be a valuable, you know, third running back on that team. We've seen that happen at least spottily throughout games for the Patriots with guys like Rex Burkhead. Um, or Sony Michelle may just miss, you know, three or four games throughout the season. Instead of missing the whole year, he takes a rest week here and there. And Damian Harris plugs right in and is an RB, you know, high end RB2, potential RB1 in those weeks for you. But if Sony Michelle goes down, He's a locked and loaded top fifteen running back. I think. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I like his. Yeah, I like his talent. Obviously, the opportunity in the situation is great. I have the Patriots as one of the top five teams from an offensive perspective. After my projections, they're going to score points. They always do, and I think they're going to lean more in the run this year than they have in decades. Not quite decades, but literally more than a decade since Brady became a you know super super superstar. Superstar. Um, I traded up into the mid-second round in uh, a dynasty league we're in together uh, sure in a rookie draft to snag Damian Harris because I have Sony Michelle. I fully believe that he should be owned in redraft and dynasty for sure. So yeah, good call there. Yeah, our listeners need to get a little sneak sneak peek into this league. Um, you've been trying to trade me Sony all off season. Have I? Yeah, I've, man. Uh, you've been trying to offer. I don't me. know what you're talking about. Oh yes, yes, yes. You do. Listen. Full disclosure, I had been trying everything in my power. I kid you not, to contacting every team in the league, <laughs> trying to whittle and whittle and whittle away at everyone's picks until I could amass a undeniable trade offer to get the 101 from my sister and take <laughs> Kyler Murray. And they are Gersh Dern Cardinals fans, and I couldn't do it. So they drafted Kyler Murray. It made me very upset. But yeah. Let's let's kick back over to <laughs> to the injury news here. Yeah. Uh, I want to touch on these last couple guys that you mentioned about the pup. That's DeAndre Hopkins. I'll keep it simple. I have zero concern about this situation. 
He had a grade three AC joint injury, which is a complete rupture of the ligaments that hold your collarbone to your shoulder blade. It sounds scary. It's initially it very painful, but these actually do quite well without surgery. And that was back in January. So they're probably just being more conservative with DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to be fine. Uh, no concerns for me. And then with Cooper Cup and Will Fuller, you know, I've been saying all along, I expect both guys to, to be ready at the start of week one. That doesn't mean I think they'll perform at their level that they've done uh, in previous seasons, but they will be ready to go. And this just speaks to that. So that's kind of the, the quick hitters there in regards to the two guys coming off of their ACL injuries. Cool. Uh, one other little pup note is that Travis Frederick, uh, Cowboys center, avoided the pup. He missed in the entirety of last season with Guillain-Barre syndrome, which I believe is an autoimmune disease. Yes, you know that's correct. Yep, that's correct. Ah. If we had Kate on, we could have her explain more because she's a nurse. I don't know. Maybe you know. Do PTs know about this syndrome? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Oh! I don't see this a lot in, in my day-to-day practice because I'm more of an, an uh, orthopedic and sports clinic. Sure. But um, and when I was in school, I did see some patients with this. Basically, the autoimmune disease is one that attacks your own nervous system. So it causes a lot of neurologic symptoms, weakness, and um, numbness, tingling, those kind of things. And it's something that if they catch early, they can they can manage. But it takes a very, very long time for that to uh, calm back down and to be able to perform at your previous levels. So yeah, full off season. Travis Frederick's back that's got to be a bump for all Cowboys on the offensive side, uh, especially Zeke. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the last little note of injury news here, Julian Edelman, I'm not a fan of this, sported with a brace on his thumb, expected sported. to be out three <laughs> weeks of training camp. Sported. Yeah. That's my fault. Listen, man, I am like uh, 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 you Will are from man. I read the teleprompter. Uh the blame bets for this, guys. He put sported in the dock, and I read it. He spotted with a brace on his thumb, expected to be out three weeks of training camp. The three weeks of training camp does not obviously scare me at all because I don't think that he needs to be there to have the absolute best possible connection with Tom Brady. But is this at all something that could be a concern continuing on into the season? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, the the splint is, or the, the brace, I should say, on the thumb is just a sign that probably he's, he's dealing with some sort of sprain to the thumb. Uh, if handled appropriately with uh, time and rest, this is going to be fine. Expect Julian Edelman to be his normal self uh, as the training camp comes to a close and as week one comes near. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. I may or may not have him projected as my number 10 wide receiver in half PPR. So wowza. There's that. Uh, all right. That's it for injury news. Let's head into a quick word from our sponsor before we get to these training camp breakdowns. So today our sponsor is Trophy Smack, which you have heard us hype up before for good reason. Listen, if you're a fantasy football commissioner or champion or both, ideally both, it is time to level up your smack talk with an awesome trophy or ring or belt WWE style or whatever, you know, I don't really watch WWE, but I, don't I assume that's what it is. Yeah, it's wrestling belts, you know, or boxing, that kind of stuff. Uh, they are super legit. Go to trophysmack.com and check them out. I assure you, if you go there, you will want to buy one. Uh, and you will be able to buy one with code REDSHIRTS and get a free ring if you buy a trophy or a belt. So it's a win-win-win. Um, and I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast, Bets. Did we mention this on the podcast? I don't know what you're about to say. A Scott Fishbowl. Oh, yes. I was going to say that. I don't think we have. 
Yeah, they, Trophy Smack, created the official Scott Fishbowl Trophy. And it is, I can't, there are no words. It is hot. There are truly so no hot. words to describe how legit this thing is. It has an actual fishbowl on top, if that gives you a brief idea. With fish. And it looked to be, yes, it has a fish inside right now. Like a live fish is uh, inside of the bowl. It was at least two feet tall. It was incredible. And they are going to give it to the winner of the Scott Fishbowl, which I'm really hoping will be me. Uh, I hope it's one of us, honestly, because that that trophy is amazing. I don't know if you can buy that trophy. Probably not because it's very, you know, select and reserve. But all the other trophies they have are extremely cool. So go check it out. Buy one. Use code redshirts and you'll get a free ring to stuff into your league mates faces. All right. Let us tackle some training camp situations. So what now, Jack Sparrow? We'd be two immortals locked in an epic battle until Judgment Day and the trumpet sounds. Or you could surrender. These are confusing. They are confusticating. I don't know what's happening, but we're going to try to figure it out, Bets. No one really knows what's happening. No, not at all. Let's start with a couple QB situations and get them out of the way because chances are, unless you're in a deep, Two QB slash Superflex League. You're probably not going to really want to start either of these guys, any of these guys. But if you are, or if you're in a Dynasty League, it may be interesting. So, Dolph, let's start with the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick. This situation is probably the most interesting for the rest of the players on that team. Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Josh Rosen. Rosen? Traded to the Dolphins from the Cardinals, obviously, during the draft after Arizona picked up Kyler Murray. What a great pick at first overall. Incredible. Um, <laughs> You're the worst. but this after I know after they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, give me, I guess, bet your projection for games started by each of these guys if you can, and then beyond that, much more importantly, tell me how you think this will affect the pass catchers on that team, if at all, depending on which way the Dolphins go. Sure, I'll answer your first question uh, first. I have Josh mm. Rosen playing in nine games. Therefore, I have uh, Fitzpatrick playing in, what would that be, seven games? Y- yes, math. Math is hard. Uh, <laughs> so I think Rosen gets one or two extra starts compared to Fitzpatrick. I think the team initially leads with Fitzpatrick, and then once they are one and three or one and five or some version of that, they switch to Rosen because obviously they're going to want to see what they have in the young kid and figure out if they're going to take one of these studs, which I should say they are going to take one of these studs next year early in the draft because I project them having a terrible season. So I think Rosen gets a little bit more opportunity. And what that does for the pass catchers is probably hurt their deep threats. So I think that hurts Kenny Stills because of what we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick do uh, with guys like Deshaun Jackson last year and Mike Evans. Uh, I think it hurts Devontae Parker a little bit. Um, I don't know that it changes a ton for other guys. I will say one thing I think it helps a little bit if Rosen is in there is Mike Kosicki because Ryan Fitzpatrick Mm. historically does not target his tight end whatsoever. It's almost like he has blinders on for the, the tight end when they're out there on the field. So I think if Rosen gets a little bit more work, Hopefully, Gesicki can take a little bit of a step forward here in year two. That is a very interesting and uh, attractive little nugget there, or theory. I like it, and we'll be making note of it so that if 
Fitzpatrick does indeed start the season and Gasicki's not doing well, I may reach out and try to trade for him in Dynasty. Ooh, uh, smart man. Because, bets, I almost exactly agree with you. I have Rosen at 10 games and Fitzpatrick at 6. So we are almost exactly simpatico there. Um, and I have all of Fitzpatrick's efficiency numbers being better. So that means all of the receivers, I believe, will play better when he is in. Especially, like you said, the deep guys. I, I've i mentioned on this podcast that I believe in Devontae Parker a little bit this year to finally do it with uh, Adam Gase gone. And that would be helped a lot if Ryan Patrick played more games. So, Ryan Fitzpatrick, please don't throw 20 interceptions and stay on the field and keep Josh Rosen where he belongs on the bench. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I think we pretty much agree there. So let's move on to the Redskins. Their quarterback situation, it kind of has a lot of names involved with it. Before I get into the these the main guys, there's no way Alex Smith is coming back despite the nice picture of him getting the things out of his leg, correct? Uh, correct. He is not playing in okay. 2019. So that leaves primarily Case Keenum and rookie Dwayne Haskins. Colt McCoy is also there and I guess could do something. He was decent last year, but it's honestly a mess of guys, none of which are super attractive to me. Who do you think wins the job and does it make a difference at all? Um, A little bit in terms of if it makes a difference. Grand scheme, no, I don't think it, it does. I think... When the season comes to a close, in terms of who's going to start more games, I think it's Dwayne Haskins for the same reason. This team is not going anywhere. Um, It makes sense to see what you have in your first-round pick. Um, And with that being said, I think that gives a very little bump to Terry McLaurin, who is also a rookie Mm. for this team. He's a wide receiver. And the reason for that little bit of a bump is because he and Dwayne Haskins played college football together at Ohio State. So the chemistry is there, one thing I'll say for sure. Um, And so I think, you know, come season's end, we're going to say, okay, Dwayne Haskin had more pass attempts. He was probably the more fantasy relevant, if you even want to say that, puts up more points. In case Keenum, he will be irrelevant. Um, But I honestly don't think it matters. I mean, this team is going to be horrific on the offensive side of the ball. So... I don't really want any of these guys, but if you're asking me if I had to absolutely choose one quarterback that I think produces more, I think it's Haskins. Yeah, um, I have the splits exactly even right now as far as games, eight and eight, and I actually have most of their numbers, uh, Haskins and Keenum, pretty much the same. So I'm just kind of going with a wash. Whoever's there is not going to be great. It really doesn't matter. I just ran the numbers on a per-game basis. I have Haskins with more fantasy points per game, but that number is (laughs) 13.8. So, he's not good. Um, The the Terry McLaurin call is very interesting. You're really making these uh, sweet, sweet connections today, Bets. I like it. Oh, the sweetest. Um, However, I find him completely useless for fantasy anyways. Uh, the most yards I have going any receiver on that team right now is 544. So, also, he's not good. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be pretty. This is quite possibly could be the worst offense in the league. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I have them projected to score the least touchdowns of any offense in the entire league. Let's pull it up. Nope, Buffalo is one touchdown fewer, but that's the Washington is second worst. So it's awful. Maybe the least fantasy relevant team in the league. Do you find that to be a disagreeable statement? 
Nope. I projected them pretty similarly to you. They're down there in touchdowns. They're down there in offensive yards per game. So yeah, I don't think we're really going to want anyone on this team aside from maybe the running backs. All right. Speaking of which, bets. oh, what Weird. a transition. Weird how that happened. Since we're on this team, let's quickly hit on the running back situation. Very murky right now because obviously Darius Geis is recovering from an injury and surgery complications. Adrian Peterson got re-signed to a two-year deal after a great, what is he, 32-year-old season, something like that? Certainly veteran season. And Chris Thompson also coming off some injuries from last year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes. So what do you make of this? Does any of these guys end up being fantasy relevant for you? Um, I think that there are some weeks where one or two of these guys, meaning either Peterson or Geis and Chris Thompson, are fantasy relevant. When those weeks are is going to be difficult to predict unless there's an injury to one of them. Um Right now, I have it projected as Adrian Peterson actually leading this backfield uh, by about 30 rushing attempts compared to Geis. I really am concerned about Geis this season. I mean, the ACL obviously is complicating things. Then he had the hamstring strain recently. So when you consider those two factors, as I've said for Will Fuller, it's kind of recipe for disaster. Um, I don't see him playing 16 games. And even if he does, I mean, let's be honest, we just talked about the offense the scoring opportunities won't really be there. So uh, out of those three options, I would lean Peterson. If you're in a PPR league, I don't mind a flyer on Thompson. But again, end of the year, I'm not excited about any of these guys. Yeah, I'm pretty much completely on board with you there. I have Peterson well ahead of Geis. I really don't have confidence in Geis to play a majority of the season, uh, as certainly as a lead back. I do hope he gets past this and is great next year. But Peterson was decent last year. Uh in the same terrible offense, pretty much. In fact, potentially worse because they lost a bunch of quarterbacks midseason. So if they get a more reliable quarterback situation, you figure they could actually be a little bit better, which it doesn't say much because they were so bad. Uh, right now, Peterson is going as the RB45. I actually have him as the RB36 just from a pure projection. Projection. <laughs> Words are hard. Pure projections standpoint. Which basically just means he's going to get the most carries and is going to be the worst player with the most carries on his team in the entire league. Worse than the worst, actually, because that would be 32nd, theoretically. Uh, so, yeah, again, fantasy wasteland. But if you have to go somewhere, go AP. And if you're full PPR, I also do like the call of Thompson as a sleeper. All right. This one's much more interesting, much more spicy and full of fireworks bets. San Francisco running backs. Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breida. Also, Raheem Mostert, uh, and maybe a couple other guys that are probably going to get cut. In fact, Mostert is probably also going to get cut. What do you What do you have kind of the layout being for these guys? Do you think, and, and let me ask you this way, who do you think is the best draft choice currently where they're going right now? Yeah, I think, so let me put it this way. I think Tevin Coleman leads the backfield in terms of total touches at the end of the year. But I think that Jarek McKinnon at the end of the season is just a little bit better in terms of fantasy because I think that they they have a role for this guy. I mean, they they brought him in with big-time money last offseason. Obviously, he's coming off the ACL. I don't think he gets a ton of volume in the rushing attack, which is fine. I think he gets a lot of work in the passing game. So in any PPR format, give me Jarek McKinnon because I think he's going, last time I looked, 
a full like round and a half after Tevin Coleman. Um, probably in a standard or half league, I would take Coleman with that uh, lead back capability. But um, I think the the cheaper option with the upside is McKinnon. I do like Breda at his price, so I can't fault anyone that wants to take a, a cheap flyer on him. But for me, uh, I'll go McKinnon. Okay, so two things here, Betts. Number one, people are in a tizzy about the fact that they just paid Tevin Coleman, and so that means that they must want to have him be the lead back over McKinnon. They just paid Jarek McKinnon two years, technically one year ago, and then he missed the whole year, so we can't really judge anything off of that. But when they signed Jarek McKinnon, they paid him $7.5 million a year, which is seventh most in the league behind... Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Devontae Freeman, McCoy, and technically Barkley is up there because of his high draft stock. They paid Tevin Coleman $4.2 million a year, which is, in case you did not catch the math there, less. I see what you did there. Less, okay, that makes sense. Less dollars. Yes. Fewer dollars. Also, point two, you mentioned you thought maybe a round and a half. According to Fantasy Football Calculator, half PPR, Jarek McKinnon is going four rounds after Tevin Coleman. Wow. Coleman is in the sixth. Jarek McKinnon is in the tenth. This is straight foolishness. Yeah, give me McKinnon. I'll die at that price. A hundred percent. Secretly, let's not say this too loudly, but I think McKinnon is the lead back regardless of draft price in this offense. For the reasons I just mentioned with money, I also think he might actually be a more talented player. But with that draft price, it's not even a question. Are you kidding me? You're 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 going in on Tevin Coleman in a range of either guys like Lamar Miller, who you know are the lead back for their team, at least in the beginning of the season, or the Tariq Cohens and Rashad Pennies, who have tons of upside, Latavius Murray even. He's going in that range. Meanwhile, you have Jarek McKinnon going in the 10th round around guys like Peyton Barber, Ito Smith, LaShawn McCoy. That This is... Something is wrong here. <laughs> Something correct. is very right for us and for our listeners because they're going to capitalize on that in yeah. drafts. So give me all the McKinnon. He's 100% the draft target for me, and he's also the guy I would project as the lead back, so it's not even a question. Uh, pretty much we're on the same page there for the most part, at least for what our listeners should do in their drafts. Okay, let's go to the Steelers situation, bets, and to a new position, the wide receiver position. Uh, actually, let's call it the pass catchers because we're going to include Vance McDonald, tight end, as well as Dante Moncrief and James Washington. All these guys, theoretically, could be vying for the number two target role behind, obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster. If any of them can earn a actual number two role, even close to what Juju was in the last couple years behind AB, even close, which doesn't even have to be that close, really, they could have some value. So where do you kind of have the targets going and which one of these guys stands out to you the most? Yeah, for me, it's it's Dante Moncrief all day. We've just heard too much from Steelers training camp to not at least buy into the narrative a little bit for me personally. So I've got Dante Moncrief as the second leading target uh, receiver here behind Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, that's obviously by a landslide, but he is number two. And actually number three, I have James Conner. Then I have mm. Vance McDonald at four. So I think I think Deontay Johnson, the rookie, is not going to do much this year. I think James Washington will splash 
off and on, but for me, um, it's Moncrief and it's Vance, I think, that capitalize the most here, uh, especially when you consider not only AB's departure, but Jesse James. So for Vance McDonald, there's not a lot of um, depth chart worries for him in terms of his position. Uh, I just think that Dante Moncrief is falling into a situation that just is is too perfect, and we could see a, a real bounce back from him this season. All right. Well, I'm glad you brought up James Conner because I would have completely missed the fact that I have him second on the team in targets with a very large number. I would give a spoiler to the listeners as to how high I am on James Conner after finishing these projections, but you will have to listen to the projections episodes, the divisional breakdowns, which are going to be coming out in the next week or two, probably they're going to start coming out. Oh, yes. So instead of a spoiler, you get a tease. Uh, but other than that, I agree Dante Moncrief is the two. He's not honestly super interesting to me. I like Vance McDonald as a value for the position better. Um, I think he'll do more for your fantasy lineup than Moncrief will do for your fantasy lineup. But really, it's for me, Juju and James Conner, and I'm extremely high on the two of those guys. Um, All right, let's touch on... Let's do a quick... We kind of covered the Patriots running backs already. So let's skip over that. Okay. All right. Watch the injury situation, everybody. Check out what's going on with Sony Michelle. But we did mention up top that we really like Damian Harris. And of course, we both like James White. So let's instead go to Green Bay because this is possibly the most talked about battle of the entire training camp season right now. And that is Marquez Valdez, Marquez Valdez Cantlin oh, uh, versus Geronimo. <laughs> versus Geronimo Allison for the number two spot in Green Bay at the wide receiver position. I'm just going to ask you straight up, Betts, which one do you want? I've been kind of flip-flopping, I feel like, all offseason. Uh, initially, I was Team Geronimo, then I was MVS, then I was back to Geronimo, and so I think that tells you something. Like, I honestly don't know who's going to emerge as the more relevant fantasy wide receiver. I've got them projected pretty close to one another, um, but recent news has come out, and the team has confirmed that more than likely, Geronimo Allison is going to play in the slot. So I think that opens up a lot of opportunity for MVS on the outside. So if I have to pick one of the two, I will take MVS in the situation. Well, this is going to be our first big point of disagreement then because I'm still on board the Geronimo Allison train. Here's the way that I basically feel about it. If they decide that moving him into the slot is the right call, then I think that means he can perform in the slot sufficiently well and if he can the slot is more valuable if that team is running three wide receiver sets a lot than the outside spot is I think he'll get plenty of targets in that offense and if you're getting them from the slot the per target fantasy point numbers favor the slot over the outside so I have Geronimo for more targets and I also have him for better efficiency he's my guy I'm sticking with him uh, really quick before we move on to our under-the-radar players bets, Bill's wide receivers, we've we've touched on a couple of them over the course of the past few weeks, actually. I talked about, or so I forget who talked about John Brown, but someone brought him up, and uh, Kate brought up Robert Foster. So just really quick, John Brown, Robert Foster, and then also Zay Jones. Who's your guy, if you have to pick one? For me, it's John Brown. Um, he's done it before. I think his skill set with that deep ball is perfect with Josh Allen's strong arm and let's not forget what happened last year I mean I don't have the numbers in front of me but weeks one through eight or nine whenever uh Lamar Jackson took over um I believe John Brown was a wide receiver too do you remember exactly off the top of your head yes I forget the exact number but he was performing extremely well yeah I mean so 
at least we've seen it more recently with him. I'll take John Brown in that situation. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to lean that way as well. I don't mind Robert Foster. They're both great dart throws. Neither of them are going drafted in the top 200 uh, on fantasy football calculator. So pick your favorite and go for a last round shot and see what you can get. All right, let's cover some under the radar players bets. Hi, Emma. Hi, Emma. Yeah, she doesn't even know I exist. There's like 60 people in the village. I mean, you really have to go out of your way to not know that somebody exists. These are some guys who you are not hearing a lot about for one reason or another. Uh, we've talked about sleepers, but everyone talks about sleepers. And so those sleepers are hardly even sleepers anymore. So what we've gathered here is a short list of guys who are not getting the hype that they potentially should be getting and might have some actual fantasy value for you. So kick us off with uh, with one of your guys, Bets. Who, who's flying under the radar that maybe shouldn't be? Yeah, this is a guy that I don't even think we've talked about at all this offseason. That is Anthony Miller, uh, wide receiver, mm. second-year wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. Um, he was pretty impressive last year, and I'll, I'll say that lightly, of course. His yardage wasn't great, but the guy found the end zone seven times um, in a Bears offense that figures to, once again, be very explosive, very dynamic. I think they're going to find ways to get this guy involved. Um, and one thing I want to point out here from injury perspective is – Anthony Miller dislocated his shoulder multiple times last season during the year. Um, and then when you saw him come back in after the injuries later in the same game and the following week or two, he was playing with a brace on his shoulder, which is designed in order to limit the amount of rotation your shoulder can go through and elevation overhead. And Okada, you've probably watched some football. It's probably important for a wide receiver to get their arm overhead comfortably and with strength. So it seems like that might be valuable. Yes. And his catch radius was almost non-existent last year. When you consider the fact that Mitch Trubisky, while he is improving is not the most accurate quarterback. I think that really hurt Anthony Miller, but he had off season shoulder surgery to repair the, the torn labrum. And that is going to help his, uh, output in in 2019 he's going to be stronger he's going to have more range of motion he's going to perform better than he did last year especially from a yardage perspective i don't know that he gets seven touchdowns but i think he takes a step forward here in year two yeah i'm 100 on board i like this call i drafted him in the scott fishbowl in the 12th round which i thought was a dirty dirty steal uh but this guy had seven touchdowns last year with apparently an inability to raise his arms above his head so I have him leading the team in touchdown receiving touchdowns. Um Do you really? over Alan Yes, over Allen Robinson. Wow, I'm impressed um, by that. Yeah, and I really I really like this call. So very solid. I will go with a player that is plays the same position but is almost the complete opposite. And that's Larry Fitzgerald bets. Have you heard anyone talk about Larry Fitzgerald this offseason? Because I have not. I honestly don't think I have. It's been all about the rookies. It's been all about Kyler Murray, and it's been all about um, Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk. Yep, 100%. Here's the thing. Larry Fitzgerald is still a extremely good receiver. I won't say elite, but he is one of the best receivers in the National Football League. Has been for many, many years. He is extremely reliable. He is going to catch the passes that you throw to him. And last year, he had... 69 catches and 734 yards with six touchdowns, none of which sounds great, but that was with the worst quarterback in the entire league with the worst offense in the entire league. 
and he still got 112 targets, which was a low for him uh, in a full season ever. That's his full season low. I don't think there's any chance that he is lower than that in targets. So I have him projected at 122 right now, which leads the team. With the amount of times this team is going to throw the ball, with the amount of plays they're going to run, I think that there's going to be a lot of target share to go around for this offense. And with Larry Fitzgerald being the GOAT that he is, the reliable target he can give to Kyler as a rookie, I think he leads this team in targets. I have him projected to lead the team in touchdowns, lead the team in targets, the fantasy points go to Christian Kirk just barely because I have his efficiency much higher. I think Larry will be more of like a short area guy as far as a yards perspective. But this is a guy who can lock in as a wide receiver, wide receiver three, give you wide receiver two weeks on the frequent. And he is going in the late eighth round next to Corey Davis, Kiki Kuti, who we don't know if he's ever going to be healthy, and Nikhil Harry. Are you are you kidding me? That's like the, the a trio of non-production that blows my mind. Meanwhile, Larry Fitzgerald has been the most reliable producer in the NFL over the past seventy-five years. So give me some Larry Fitz. I honestly don't hate that call, and, and it's mostly because of the fact that I, I'm shocked at his his draft price. I honestly thought you were going to say it was a lot later, and I wouldn't be surprised as training camp goes. Uh, the hype to build around mm-hmm. these other guys that we just named Christian Kirk, yep. uh, Hakeem Butler, etc. So I think his draft price will probably be even cheaper. And if it falls to around nine or, or even around 10 in some leagues, like you can't pass on that, that value there. So uh, as a wide receiver three, yeah, why not Larry Fitzgerald all day? Yeah. All right. You've got a couple more wide receivers hit us with one of them. All right. I'll talk about the guy that we haven't talked about. Uh, I think, again, at all this offseason. Uh, and that is Jamison Crowder of the New York Jets. Um, this guy seems like he has not been fantasy relevant for two years, maybe. He flashed a lot a couple of years ago, but missed virtually all of last season with an ankle injury. He's back. He's in a new city. He gets a fresh start. And the thing that I love about the situation here with the Jets is while it's not the most uh, fruitful situation for fantasy, <laughs> Uh, he has two guys in front of him on the depth chart by the names of Quincy Numa and Robbie Anderson, who have both been pretty frequent um, injury report guys and have missed time during their, their NFL careers uh, quite often. The other piece of the puzzle here that I like is that Sam Darnold ranked 27th last year in yards per pass thrown. So, He's not really pushing the ball downfield. At least he wasn't last year. Um, And I don't know that that really changes too much for him this season. And if he keeps checking down, it's not all going to go to Le'Veon Bell, obviously. I think Jamison Crowder is a really sneaky uh, wide receiver four flex bench type of guy that could be a plug-and-play starter if you need some wide receiver help. So um, he's basically a dart throw for me that I'm willing to take because of the fact that uh, it's so cheap in, in drafts. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I don't hate it. I was actually higher on Jamison Crowder coming out of free agency when they first signed him than I am now. It could be the Le'Veon Bell edition because I think Crowder was before Bell. But yeah. I also just, it's really the Adam Gase effect. The You hate that guy. We'll talk, I hate him so much, dude. We'll talk about <laughs> this more when we get into our divisional breakdowns and our kind of our process for projections. But he is incredibly sluggish from a, a play's perspective. 
So I think this team is going to have very little offensive opportunities overall relative to the rest of the league. And with the amount of slot receivers slash Le'Veon Bells that they have, I if it was one guy, it could be a 140 target guy because of what you mentioned with Sam Darnold's you know, air yards, with just the way that this offense is probably going to go. We saw what Jarvis Landry did in Adam Gase's offenses. But there's two to three slot guys, if you count Le'Veon on this team, and I don't know how much I can expect from any one of them. I think he's still worth a dart throw because of what you mentioned with the injuries. If one of those guys were to go down, then and he could step up into that hundred plus target range, then that that's pretty interesting to me. But so I, I don't hate it, but yeah, I was higher earlier. A lot has to go right for this to work out. I'll, I'll say that. Sure. All right, I will give you uh, my second guy, and this is Naheem Hines. Now. Quietly, Naheem Hines was pretty decent last year in his rookie season with Marlon Mack leading the team. He had, I don't take a quick guess, bets. Let's just let's just go with a, a quick guessing game. How many receptions would you guess that Naheem Hines had last year? Oh, I just looked this stat up, so I should know it. Uh, did oh. he have sixty receptions last year? Sixty-three. Sixty-three. Sixty-three receptions. Excuse me. Yeah, this guy was producing as a rookie. I think that he will be the pass-catching guy in this offense. I project this offense to be one of the best in the league. I think Marlon Mack is not going to catch as many passes as we would probably like because we love Marlon Mack. Put all, th- all those things together, and you have an opportunity at a James White, Duke Johnson of years past kind of situation for Naeem Hines. And I took a quick gander at a the small sample size he he had of games without Marlon Mack on the field. There was four of them last year. So, you know, nothing huge to go on. In those four games, though, he had 28 receptions. That's seven receptions a game for you math majors out there. And averaged 16.5 fantasy points per game in PPR. This guy is going to be an RB3 at the worst in PPR leagues and could have RB2 upside. And if anything happens to Mac, I think the general consensus would be go to where, go to Wilkins. And both of those guys will probably get the majority of the one of those guys or a mixture will probably get the majority of the carries. But Naheem Hines could end up being a, one of the sneaky, most valuable handcuffs in the league. And I think could produce regardless of Mac's health in this good of, of an offense. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you talked about it there. In PPR formats, you can't argue with 63 catches. Um, I just finished up the Colts projections today. So again, we'll we'll do a little sneak peek preview here. I brought those down a little bit because I do think Paris Campbell will affect that. The other thing that we need to consider here is now we have both tight ends back on the field in Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. So um, I think his reception count comes down a little bit. I brought it down, not, not a ton, but I think it, it comes down a little bit. I love him in PPR formats because, again, the price tag is so cheap. And you already talked about it. If you need a, a plug-and-play, you're desperate for a running back two or a flex play, you could do way worse than Naheem Hines. And like you said, if, if Matt goes down, uh, I actually remember last year on the pod calling him my start of the week a couple of times because of that reason. And we were seeing that unfold where he was actually getting quite a bit of work on the ground and through the air. So uh, I definitely like him as an under-the-radar player this year. All righty. Let's wrap up the under the radars with that and hop over to a quick mailbag. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Alrighty. So we have been 
sitting on these mailbag questions for the opportune moment. And this is it, Bets. We have arrived. So we've got some intense roster questions here from some listeners. Let's start with at Devin the 63 or Dev in the 63. I'm not really sure the inflection that's proper there. I like the second version better. So let's go with that. Uh, all right. In a startup draft, I took Hill, Adams, Thielen, Edelman, Curtis Samuel, J. Jaws, or J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Ertz Ingram, Burton, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, and Josh Allen. My starting running backs are James White and Adrian Peterson. Ooh, boy. I've got two first-round picks for 2020, so we're talking a dynasty league here. Can I win this year with this team, or is next year my year? It is a PPR to flex league. Oh, man. That's a tough question. <laughs> um, the rest of the roster is absolutely phenomenal. Tight end, you've got two of the top five, uh, I assume this is Dynasty, Dynasty yep. tight ends, in my opinion, in Ertz Agreed. and Ingram. You've got awesome quarterback selections in Cam, Allen, and Lamar. Your wide receiver core is fantastic, and you could legitimately have four top 12 options there. Um, so this team can win. I would go get another running back with your picks here in, in 2020. Um, I always, I mean, if I can, I play for the now in Dynasty. You just don't know what's going to happen next year. There's going to be guys that we think are going to come out that end up staying in school. Um, this wide receiver core is fire. Go get a running back with those picks and win this year. Yeah, honestly, I would say that this team has a decent chance at winning this year. As far as like super punt running backs, James White in a PPR, as we know, I love. Adrian Peterson, not so much, especially in a PPR. Uh, obviously, you can replace him next year with one of those two first-round picks and the rookie running back class that will come in. But like you said, Betts, I'm trying to win now. And while there's a decent chance you could win with this team, you could trade any one of these wide receivers and one of these first-round picks for an elite running back. Because you, with taking Tyree Kill, which good on you for that, you ended up with three top 15 probably dynasty receivers, depending on where you have Thielen, and a couple guys who have tons of upside in the immediate term, and one of the best tight ends in the league. So you have all kinds of pass catching ability here, and I would I would go out to look and trade one of a little bit of this assetry <laughs> to uh, gather what? myself. <laughs> yes, assetry. Uh, it's like you know having assets. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. For a starting running back that you can plop in in place of Adrian Peterson and win yourself a ship this year. All right, let's hop over to at Fantasy FB Nut. Not sure what that means. Uh, John Warner is Fantasy Football his actual Nut. Name. Come on, man. Clearly. Uh, keeper PPR League. Keepers are Kamara, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Hopkins, and AJ Green. What would you consider with your first round pick if Kelsey, Devontae Adams, and David Johnson are there at the ninth pick overall? And just so we know, he won't pick again until the fifth round. So I'm guessing he kept Kamara, Cook, Hopkins, and Green for those four round picks or something to that effect. Uh, I think I think at nine, which is phenomenal value for this player, I'm going Devontae Adams. Um, he's a top two wide receiver for me this season. And you get to pair him with DeAndre Hopkins and then have AJ Green as your wide receiver three. That's phenomenal. Kamara and Dalvin Cook is a fantastic one-two punch at running back. I love Kelsey, obviously, but uh, this is 
a question that we need to consider now with the Tyreek Hill news. So I bumped Kelsey down a little bit, not a, not a ton. And I think you can get someone like an Evan Ingram if you're worried about tight end or an OJ Howard in round five. So for me, it's Devontae Adams all day. This one's pretty interesting for me. I I don't I'm really curious what the rest of the league and the non-kept players looks like where Kelsey, Devontae Adams, and David Johnson are gonna slip to the ninth pick. Uh, and four guys are getting kept. So th- that may be a, an interesting keeper situation. But if all three of them fell to the ninth pick, let's just assume it does. Listen, with A.J. Green and Dalvin Cook as your wide receiver two and RB2 respectively, those are both huge upside guys who also have had some injury problems. And I- I'm tempted to take Adams or Johnson so that I have really se- strong security at one of those two spots. But I can't do it, man. I cannot pass up on Travis Kelsey. You probably know this already. Our listeners, if you've been listening for a while, probably know this already. I want me one of those elite tight ends and the chance to have two RB1s, two wide receiver ones if AJ Green stays healthy. And the tight end one is not something I can pass up. So I would go Kelsey and have an extremely balanced top of the roster. But I don't really fault either of the other picks because all those guys, in my opinion, are first round picks. Yes, sir. All righty. That's a wrap. That is a wrap, dumb diddly. Uh, Thanks for listening, listeners. Um, If you enjoyed this episode or any episode you've ever heard of the Retro's Fantasy Fantasy Football Podcast, go to your, what is it called, where you get your podcast? Platform? app. App? Yes. Application. Go to your app. There will be some empty stars somewhere on there, and you click the fifth one. That's how you give us five stars. Then... You click the write a review button and you say, these guys are the best, love the fantasy content, uh, and something about Kyler Murray probably. In fact, <laughs> we have a review on, on on Apple Podcast Bets, I don't know if you've seen it, that just says, for the subject line, the 100 emoji, and for the text, Kyler Murray, and that is it. I have seen it, and I have not brought it up to you on purpose. I promise you it was not me, uh, although if I were to ghost account, <laughs> leave a review, it would probably look something like that. <laughs> um, but... Please do drop us a rate and review. We really appreciate it. It does a lot for us. Check out our Patreon as well. We've got all kinds of great extra content there. Our new uh, or our extra episode per week tier, that that extra episode is going to start dropping in the very near future as we hit the season. So that's going to be sweet value. Uh, plus, you can hop in our Slack and chat with us and the rest of the little Slack community we've got going on. Really great group of people in there that's just enjoyable to talk to. So... Check all that out. Follow us on Twitter, RedshirtsFFPod. Follow Bets on Twitter at the Fantasy PT and me at Matt Okada. Bets, any uh, closing remarks? You missed the best part of joining Patreon and leaving a, a review. Oh, the listener lead. Yes. If you oh. do either of those two things, you get entered into the drawing for the listener league. So you get to play against Okada, myself, and Kent, our, our former host, um, in what's going to be a great season. So don't forget. Tag us on Twitter once you take a screenshot of your review, and we will enter you into the drawing. Um, come play with us. Come beat us at our own game. It's going to be a lot of fun this season. Big, huge facts. Derek Henry-sized facts. Bets. Oh, yes. All right. That's going to be it for this episode. We will see you sometime next week. We have a very, very, very legit guest. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, Not going to tell you who it is, people. You're just going to have to tune in, but it's top notch. Let me just say that. Uh, until then, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. 
hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.